I'm Jay Mac. And I'm Jess. And you're listening to Base Code Podcast. Hello. Hey there. Back for another <laughs> podcast. What's so funny? <laughs> Sorry, I was uh, tr- I was doing I was doing a Taylor. Doing a Taylor. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, the way he goes like back with another another Laravel snippet. It's a real clean intro. It's so good. <laughs> We, we don't have an intro whatsoever. No. That's okay. I think I just say, so, how you doing? And I'm, I normally say something silly like, hey. <laughs> so, so how are you doing? Good. Busy. Um, I started that new open source project that I might have hinted at earlier, or maybe not. But anyways, it's, it's no longer a secret. Not that I wanted it to be a secret, but uh, Blueprint is what I'm working on. So, I've been doing live streams this week and... Probably do them next week um, as well. Um, I'm gonna try to build this thing in like two weeks. Nice. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Looks pretty interesting. I haven't uh, I haven't checked it out yet. So what what is it? Oh yeah, good call. Didn't even really say that, did I? So it's gonna be a uh, kind of like a rapid application development tool. Oh nice. Uh, so it's like a really specific domain language, like think YAML. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to try to build like a lot of like shorthands in there, like syntactic sugar. So it's its own little mini language, but it'll generate like lots of components of a of an application. So obviously it's going to start with Laravel, but like if it does well, this little language that I'm building is like completely agnostic. So like, okay. I don't know, it could it could generate like express applications or Rails applications or who knows. You give it kind of like your business domain objects. And it'll go through and create all of the sort of scaffolding for all of them, relationships, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I nice. think if you give it like a little bit of model definition and then probably like some controller information, it's going to be smarter than, you know, like your standard little command line tool. Like those things are great, but they normally just kind of generate like stubs or something. Yeah. This is going to like have intelligence around it, not only since it has like kind of a language that you type but the difference is it's also going to have memory so like if you define a model before and generate some stuff like it's going to remember right that model like in its own little registry so it's got like a little kind of lock file or something yeah it's going to have like a dot blueprint file basically and it's going to nice kind of remember stuff so that way in the future you don't have to like redefine like your model definition you can keep referencing it in like future code. So it's kind of one of those things that like gets smarter the more you use it. Whereas like everything else is just like very passive and like one time and every time I got to type like string colon nullable colon, you know, and it's just, yeah. it works. And, it, and those are, those are great tools, but like, I don't know. I think there's an opportunity for something smarter. Yeah. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. I mean, just kind of going back to, um, to even Taylor's podcast, the Laravel snippet, like his, his new mini series, you know, this last episode, he was talking about like, even if you would just use it, like it's kind of worth working on. So yeah, so that's what I'm gonna do. I'd use it. Nice. What up with you? I've been flat out working on my Laracon AU talk, uh, spending way too much time stressing about it. But it's my first talk, so what are you gonna do? <laughs> It'll be good. And it's only a half hour. I just learned that myself the other day. It's hard being half an hour. I found that. Yeah, I kind of. I did about half my talk, did a, a dry run through and was like at 40 minutes. So I do think the half hour time slots are sometimes harder because getting it to a half hour is like, you don't say anything about yourself. 
You don't take any questions. Yeah. You, you just get right into the material and it's got to be very, very focused because you just don't have a lot of time to like set up a larger problem or a larger concept, yeah. I think. So it's, it's really, really got to be focused, which is obviously the, the point. The funny thing is, though, is like I still remember being like in school and having to do these sort of presentations and we'd have like, you know, three minutes or five minutes. And that was like impossible to fill that time. And now I'm like, you know, 30 minutes is not enough. So it's all relative. But yeah, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there backstage. So even if you bomb, I'll, I'll still give you a high five. Awesome. <laughs> You're not going to bomb, though. It'll be fine. Yeah, I hope so. All right. So shall we get into the meat of it? Yeah, let's get into the podcast. All right. So this week we were going to talk about how to get started, which I think is probably one of the things that people struggle with the most with testing um, is just trying to work out like they know they want to test, but how do they actually start doing it? Yeah, I think where to start is something that to me, when I was kind of outlining the mini series, like it, it made sense to at least touch upon. I think there's kind of two kind of perspectives there's the business perspective of like how to get started or where to start but there's also like the code perspective of like where do I start testing this like existing you know code base yeah and I think like on the topic of two distinct things I think there's also doing tests before you write code and then there's adding tests to existing code that at the end of the day, they're still tests, but they do have a very different approach to how you would do them. Sure. And I think TDD is like, or test-driven development or writing tests first, is a pretty well-covered topic. And there's plenty of resources, especially in our Laravel PHP community, like about that. Plus, yeah. it's pretty straightforward. You write the tests first. <laughs> <laughs> so like, so maybe let's focus on like existing code bases. Let's narrow it down to that. Okay. Well, this would be good because I don't have as much experience testing existing code bases. I've been fortunate enough that um, everything I've done recently, I've been able to start from scratch and um, build it with TDD. So hopefully I'll learn something here too. Yeah, I mean, and again, TDD is the approach that I always feel like I write the best code when I'm kind of practicing that, when I'm writing the test first. So uh, definitely advocate for it. But I, I think there's a probably a larger audience that is dealing with, okay, I have this code base and it's not well tested or not tested at all, you know, which is a reality. So, you know, first of all, don't, don't feel bad. Like yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is the reality of a lot of code bases. Like I see a lot of code bases and most don't have tests. Uh, and that's even some of my own projects. Uh, so, you know, it's one of those things where um, this is, this is just the reality of it all. So, so yeah, so, it can feel daunting, I guess, is the point to like start to tackle a code base, even if you know you want to write tests and kind of have the desire, like it can be, hmm, where do I start, right? Yeah. Or how do I start or whatever. And like we've alluded to before, sometimes the most important thing is to just start and not necessarily focus so much on exactly what you're doing, but just start doing something to get the ball rolling, to get that initial momentum get a feel for things um, and you know then you can actually learn more and maybe go back and fix those initial ones that weren't that great. Maybe to that point for us, let's just start with maybe the business perspective and maybe we won't spend too much time on that. But I think I think this is something 
that does happen or is a question from devs of like, you know, well, I want to write tests, but my manager, you know, doesn't, you know, believe in it or, or won't give me the time or it's maybe a more accurate, you know, response. So I have some thoughts, but what do you think about that? Like my, my natural instinct is to get a little bit sort of angry and defensive because, you know, I've been doing it for a while now and I know the value of it. Um, it's completely understandable from an outside perspective if you're not a programmer, you know, that you do see it as just ex- this extra time and you maybe don't see the value in it. But I think you, I mean, it, it comes down to like a sales thing, right? You've got to sell the concept to your manager or, or whoever the kind of the gatekeeper is that's, you know, going to decide whether or not it happens. I'm going to go on a limb and say that you shouldn't have to ask. I agree. I think you should just write tests. Now, I'm going to caveat that. I'm going to say that if you're new to testing, then testing is going to probably truly take you some more time at first. I think over time, it, you become more efficient as a developer. I mean, I, I think we've said that. I mean, you, you probably agree, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think once you're efficient at it, it it's definitely a no-ask situation, in my opinion. Like, don't even ask. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, would you run it past your manager whether you should use, um, you know, like a Boolean here or should you use, you know, like an integer? Like, you're not going to run, like, that's how you do your job. It's it's part of, like, the, the trade, right? And they're managing exactly. that. So, yeah, I totally see where you're coming from. It can be difficult if you've got peer review and you've actually, you know, got to get the, the code in and then someone's going to see it and be like, Hey, why have you spent all this time writing tests? I think like even in that scenario though, like a peer review, like unless you're being peer reviewed by like a completely separate team, like a QA team or something that's not coders or something, like I would be shocked if someone said that. Like I feel like that's like a bad work culture if they said that. Yeah, totally agree. I do think that if you are familiar with testing and you're working on a code base that isn't tested or you're working in an organization that maybe hasn't started testing yet and you kind of want to pioneer that just do it like yeah i don't think i don't think you ask and it's like you were saying with culture you do need to create a culture of testing maybe it's one of these things where you you don't ask for permission you ask for forgiveness once you've actually got some real world benefits to show yeah and I don't think there's a lot to forgive. I mean, that's kind of the whole point too. Like this isn't like this isn't like a crime of any kind. Like No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm thinking from the perspective of if you're sort of your typical micromanager that literally wants to control everything you do and you're not really seen as someone that's, you know, contributing their expertise, you're just a monkey typing on a keyboard. <laughs> sure. You're you're a factory worker and not a knowledge worker. Yeah, exactly. Really, really good description there. Those aren't mine. They came from some book. I forgot. <laughs> but yeah, okay. So let's say, okay, so that, that's a bit idealistic, a bit philosophical. So let's let's say that you are an organization where maybe other devs aren't on board or you're the only one writing tests and you're just, you want to convince uh, either your peers or management to, to kind of buy in to this whole testing thing. I think in those scenarios, uh, that's where the integration test might help like a browser yeah. test or something that's very visual yeah like go even if it's on your own time if you believe in it show and demonstrate that on your own time you're willing to create initiative for it absolutely that's that's what you want to foster like that's the kind of 
people you want working for you. I think management would see that too, or peers would see that too, hopefully, again, under most normal, you know, cultures and work environments. And two, like, you know, if you went off and tested like credit card processing on the website, beginning to end, like placing an order, and they're seeing this run in three seconds in a Chrome browser, yeah. you know, like, it's going to blow people's minds. And I think, again, I don't think anyone's going to argue with the benefit of that. Now, are they going to give yeah. you free reign? No, but are they are they going to say, okay, well, let's let's write this for more big pieces of the application. And now you put yourself on this path where eventually now you're getting more efficient at testing and then you don't even need to ask anymore. You just write tests for more things than maybe they said. <laughs> yeah. If you've got any sort of manual testing process where you've got people, whoever it is that actually go in and do sort of manual, you know, click through exploratory testing, I think it's probably an easy sell once you can show them that, like demonstrate that, hey, every time we release a new feature now, instead of having to go through manually click this, potentially make mistakes, we have a robot that does it for us. Absolutely. And if you do have that team, then clearly there's some buy-in about like testing. If these people are manually doing stuff, like start sharing some knowledge with them, like have a lunch and learn where you teach them Selenium or something, yeah. you know, I mean, there's all sorts of little browser plugins that record actions on a page yeah. and make a Selenium script. And I imagine that most places are doing some sort of manual testing. If they're, if they're not doing automated testing, they should be doing some manual testing. If they're literally just writing code and deploying it to production without testing it, then, yeah, you've probably got um, bigger problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, I think, so again, you know, not not dealing with the super idealistic extreme, but also not like the super, we don't have anything in place. We're still yeah. like editing files live on the server. <laughs> yeah. Like, so somewhere in between, I think one of these two approaches would probably get some business buy-in. Yeah. So, you know, either just do it if you're efficient with testing, like just do it, don't even ask, um, and just let people follow. Or if not, and you want to learn and you want to bring your team along, like take some time on your own, write a test for something mission critical that's, you know, displayable, demonstrable to like management or peers and be like, check this out. This thing that was a bug just the other week, like I went off, I wrote a test for it. It'll never be a bug again. And I think devs will immediately appreciate that. And I think the visual of it would definitely help for management as well. Yeah. I like that approach of if if there's a bug that's discovered, write the test for that bug that replicates that bug and the test will obviously fail and then fix the bug. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, definitely try to make it like a, a real world use case, of course, and even, even a yeah. very like timely one at that. So. So I think I think that's probably the business um, buy-in, you know, where to start, how to get your team started testing kind of thing. Let's maybe get more technical. Okay. Let's talk about where do you start with the code, particularly, you know, if you got like an existing code base. For me, I like to remove as many variables as possible when I'm trying to either learn something new or solve a problem. So if I was trying to learn a new sort of way of testing – even if I had an existing code base, I'd probably just create just a brand new, like um, like just new up a new app and play with the testing framework there first with all of the other variables removed so that you're just going, this is how it works. Sure. 
so so yeah I like to break it down into these small chunks play with them like that get an understanding and a comfort for how that works then add more onto it definitely learn the tool for sure I think is is basically what you're saying totally agree like I probably even kind of assumed that which is is good that you mentioned it because hopefully you're in a scenario where the framework or your language has some kind of first class testing tools that make this you know really easy yeah i just think that depending on the code base if it's quite old and doesn't have some of these frameworks if you start trying to add a test to that as your very first thing you're probably going to run into just weird little implementation errors that might kind of sour your experience. It, it really is all about momentum because I think starting to write that first test is, is really about kind of not being stuck because yeah. it's very easy to start to think about, you know, what do I do? I mean, just like we over-architect stuff in our heads, like initially, like we do the same with testing. Okay, well, if I if I want to write a test for this, then I'm going to have to like test that and then that and then that. And how do I test this? And like you end up with more questions, you know, than answers. And so the whole point is to write tests to be confident about your code. But something I say in the course is like in the beginning, sometimes it's about being confident in writing tests. Like you kind of flip it at first and make yeah. sure that you get that momentum. Some of those first tests might not be something that gives you a lot of confidence about the code but it gives you confidence that you can test your code. Absolutely. So once you kind of have a feel for the the tools or whatever, I think you're still going to kind of have this lingering question of like, where do I start? And I used to have the same answer I did kind of for the business perspective as well. Like, oh, well, we'll write a test for like the most important features. You can, you can demonstrate how cool testing is. And I think after some workshops and the course and some feedback, like I realized that's like not very practical. <laughs> it's going to probably be almost impossible for you, someone who might be new to testing to write a test for the most complicated piece of your application. Cause the dependencies are probably going to be crazy. The, you know, depth of that code is going to be, you know, very hard to kind of set a test up for, there's yeah. all sorts of factors, which we'll continue to talk about it in this, you know, mini series. But like the point is, is that it's pretty likely that that code is not testable <laughs> and therefore you trying to write a test for it is going to fail, not necessarily because you are new to testing, but because it's truly hard. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. So instead, what I kind of say in Confident Laravel is like, again, start with actually a really small thing. Like if you have an existing code base and there's like just like this really tiny little bit of code, like for example, if you have just a, a website, like write a test for the FAQ page. Like I doubt there's much functionality for that page, but like it's probably gonna demonstrate like hitting the routes or the controller or loading a view or whatever it might be, however your framework works. The point is, is like, Test like a simple thing. Don't test something with a lot of logic. You know, that's going to help you again, gain momentum, continue to understand kind of the testing framework and like how to test different pieces of your application and like incrementally build more complex things. You know, the the next time test something that sends some data to the view, right? And then next time test something that sends request parameters, right? 
and, and then maybe deals with a session and, th- and then touches the database. You know what I mean? Like keep adding on more and more and more and more. Yeah. Eventually, you're going to be able to test obviously very complex things. And then, you know, kind of in a roundabout way, you're going to be able to test probably the most complex piece of your application. So to summarize, you're sort of saying, yeah, do a like more of an integration sort of test, maybe a browser test, but it's just doing something really straightforward, like logging in or... Yeah, super simple. Like maybe even simpler than that. Like maybe even just a page that loads a view. Like some people that are super familiar with testing might be like, why'd you write a test for that? And again, it's not about the coverage or the confidence in the code so much as it is gaining momentum and gaining confidence in your ability to write tests for this existing code base. But it's writing, it's it's not writing a unit test though, right? It's writing a, a test that is an outside-in test that are like basically testing what a user would do. Maybe. I mean, I, I definitely understand what you're asking. I think for me, it's, again, it's just about writing tests kind of in the beginning. Like yeah. if, if your framework makes it easy to, to actually send a request that's, that's going to ultimately return like an HTML response, then write that test. That's fine. Yeah. If you have a framework that doesn't really have a testing harness that maybe can send requests to the application, then yeah, then test the controller method returns, you know, a view object or something. Like, yep. I'm not so worried about the style so much as like simplicity of the test. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. It's about momentum, kind of like you said. I think if someone tries to test a login or a dashboard page or like placing an order and you're not familiar with the tools and you're not kind of familiar with how your code base needs to be tested yeah, um, or can be tested, you know, you're going to get stuck again, right? Yeah. And then you're going to be like, this testing thing sucks. Yeah. <laughs> if you get to that point though, like, yeah, take a break, but please don't give up. It's okay to write a really simple test. Like, don't worry if you're not testing the most critical thing yet. Like, yeah. you'll get there. Like, work at it incrementally and... And you'll get there and you'll also get faster, which kind of going back to the whole business thing, like if you end up in a place where an application doesn't have tests and people are pushing deadlines, like I would even argue, like, don't, don't even ask, just start writing tests. Like if that makes you more efficient in dealing with a legacy code base uh, or an existing code base uh, without tests, like do it. And on the topic of, of TDD, like now that I've been doing it for so long, I feel like TDD makes me faster. Absolutely. Totally agree. But I think at the end of the day, the point is get familiar with the tooling before you start just jumping into the deep end and, like you say, testing the most complicated thing you've got. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, um, I guess we'll wrap it up here. So the next one, we'll talk about mocking. Yeah, sounds good. Mocking's mocking's a tricky one. It's um, it's awesome, but it can be a can of worms. <laughs> sure. Well, we'll we'll open that can of worms next time. See ya. See ya. Show notes for this episode can be found at basecodefieldguide.com slash 13. Spooky.